Well, you get your Bible. We're going tonight in our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter number 20. 2 Samuel chapter number 20, and we're working our way through this book of the Bible, the life of David. We find ourselves in David's life, and it's, uh, we're beginning into the later years. Uh, he's been the king of Israel for some time. Absalom has rebelled, and uh, uh, David has been uh, exiled, and now that's over. And David is back as king of Israel, and there's, uh, there's trouble. And the truth of the matter is, as we watch the rest of David's life, we will never see, and they all lived happily ever after. It just doesn't happen. And uh, the truth is, this notion that they lived happily ever after is only something you find in fairy tales. And I don't mean to be discouraged, discouraging, or and I'm not discouraged, but I'll have you know something, that life is rich with struggle. Life is rich with struggle. I talk to all kinds of encouraging people you, you, uh, as in my life. It's something I've been thinking about. I mentioned it in my Sunday school class this morning. But uh, something that is very evident is you never, as a parent, get over the... Uh, it's not a bad burden, but the burden and the concern of raising your children. Uh, you think sometimes as a young person that if I can, uh, in the course of the next 18 years, get this kid through high school, then after I kick him out of the house, there's nothing to worry about. It'll be no problem. But the reality is that uh, you carry as a parent that burden for years and for your entire life. And uh, it's something that reminds us we need to cast our cares on the Lord. I've tried to be a good boy, but I know I bring some angst and consternation to my mother on certain times. And uh, there's concern, and we're reminded to pray. And I talk to old parents, and they encourage me that you never get over the worry that you have and the concern you have for raising your children. Thanks a lot. You all are a blessing. I talk to old preachers. And they say, I'll tell you something, it never gets easier. It never gets easier. I'm like, thanks a lot. You get this idea when you're a pastor struggling in your 20s and 30s and early 40s like me. You think, man, if I could ever get to where I'm in my 50s and I've been pastoring for 30 years, then all the problems go, it'll be easy peasy, put that thing in cruise control. Is that true, Brother Sam? Every other old preacher I talk to thinks, I'm just kidding about the old part. Uh, <laughs> kind of kidding about the old part. Uh, they say the same thing. Uh, and the longer we live our lives, they don't get easier. Sorry. They change, and there's elements that aren't as intense as others, but there's always burdens to bear. And it's a reminder as we live our lives that <laughs> the struggle's real. And we all need the grace of God. We all need the peace of God. We all need God's direction. And we all need to remember, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. And the reality of God's kingdom and his eternal plan and his perfect work and our Savior, King Jesus, is something that we keep in the forefront of our minds as we battle with the struggles of life that are real, we're not to be discouraged because God is faithful and greater than the burden that we bear and His grace is all sufficient. Amen. But as we battle with the struggles of life, we're also to be reminded that God has prepared 
something for us for all of eternity that's perfect, without sin, and where Jesus rules and reigns forever. And God's people have reason to be encouraged with life, even with its difficulties, and encouraged with eternity, especially because of the great work, the finished work of our Savior, Lord Jesus, on the cross. When he died for our sins, he was buried, and three days later, rose again and ascended into heaven and said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when we look at David's life, we watch a man, a man after God's own heart, but a man who had a rule as the king of Israel that was tainted with sin and error and mistakes, but also blessed with grace and mercy and victory. And we're reminded that we're to set our affections on things above. And remember eternity. Today's, tonight's message is titled this, The Struggle is Real. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The struggle is real. We come to 2 Samuel chapter number 20. And really, we have four little stories. And I'm going to break it up that way. As we talk about this, consider this the struggle is real. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 20 and verse number 1, And there happened to be there a man of Belial, whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet. And he said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David, and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah clave unto their king, from Jordan even to Jerusalem. And David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in ward, and fed them, but went not in unto them. So they were shut up unto the day of their death, living in widowhood. Then said the king to Amasa, Assemble me the men of Judah within three days, and be thou here present. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he tarried longer than the set time which he had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now shall Sheba, the son of Bichri, do us more harm than did Absalom. Take thou thy Lord's servants, and pursue after him, lest he get him fenced cities and escape us. And there went out after him Joab's men, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and all the mighty men. And they went out of Jerusalem to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. But when they were at the great stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded unto him. And upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheath thereof. And as he went forth, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again. And he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. And Amasa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. 
And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed a mesa out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him. When he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. When he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And he went through all the tribes of Israel unto Abel, Abel's a town, and to Beth Maachi, and all the Berites, and they were gathered together and went also after him. And they came and besieged him in Abel of Beth Maachi. And they cast up a bank against the city, and it stood in the trench, and all the people that were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then cried a wise woman out of the city, Hear, hear, say, I pray you unto Joab, come near hither, that I may speak with thee. And when he was come near unto her, the woman said, Are thou Joab? He answered, I am he. Then she said unto him, Hear the words of thine handmaid. And he answered, I do hear. Then she spake, saying, They were wont to speak in old times, saying, They shall surely ask counsel at Abel. And so they ended the matter. I am one of them that are peaceable and faithful in Israel. Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why wilt thou swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy the matter is not so, but a man of Mount Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri, by name hath lifted up his hand against the king, even against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said unto Joab, Behold, his head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. Then the woman went unto all the people in her wisdom, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and cast it out to Joab. And he blew a trumpet. And they returned from the city, every man to his tent. And Joab returned to Jerusalem unto the king. Now Joab was over all the host of Israel. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and over the Pelethites. And Adoram was over the tribute. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. And Sheva was scribe. And Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. And Ira, also the Jairite, was a chief ruler about David. We come to this passage of Scripture, and as I considered and prayed about how to present this Bible passage and these truths, the thing that kept coming to mind is the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And in this passage of Scripture, there's really four short stories and some things I think we can learn and some things we need to know from God's Word that will help us. We need to understand there are filthy realities in life and our society is full of sin. And we live there. And we should not get so accustomed and ingrained in the world that we become like them. This does not mean that God does not give us joy for life and living. Does not give us something to glory and something that amazes me. As wicked as the world is which we live, God has given us so many sweet joys to enjoy. And I'm so blessed and I praise him for his goodness. I'm thankful for the opportunity to live right now. I'm thankful for the opportunity to serve God right now. I'm thankful for the opportunity to pastor a church right now and to have a wife and to raise children for the glory of God. I think it's good. I'm encouraged. 
something that encourages me more as I consider and I deal with the burdens of life is the fact that God has prepared something greater for us and we've only just begun to experience the glory and grace and the plan of God for our lives in eternity. Struggle is real. As we deal with life, we've got to continue to look that, and be reminded that God has prepared eternity. That his comfort in life reminds us the sweet reality of God's eternal kingdom. We can trust in him. Let's look at a few things. Number one, the first thing I want to pay attention to is Sheba, the son of Bichri. Sheba, the son of Bichri. Now, this is an interesting guy. I'm going to look at the first two verses here. I think you may have uh, picked up on what happened to Sheba, the son of Bichri, at the end of the chapter. If you didn't, I'll tell you at the end of the chapter. But Sheba, the son of Bichri, the Bible says in verse 1, there happened to be there a man of Belial, a useless man. A man of Belial was a useless man. He was just a man of the flesh. He was a man of the world. He was a man that had no regard for eternity, God's will, God's ways, God's plan. He was the son of Belial. The Bible said he was Name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. He blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. This man spoke up. He said, Look, there's division in the previous verses. There's division between Judah and Israel. There's divisions in the kingdom. There's still people with hurt feelings over Saul. There's still people with hurt feelings over Absalom. There's still people with hurt feelings over what David's done. And so the nation of Israel, as the nation of Israel always is in the scripture, they're really, uh, they're really easily uh, swayed one way or the other. And so they're beginning to get some traction and go towards David. And David is the king again. But here this son of Belial, Bichri I'm sorry Sheba the son of Bichri he raises an insurrection against David again we know the end of Sheba Sheba ultimately loses his head at the end of this chapter and it's a reminder to us Sheba the son of Bichri that when you stand against God's anointed you are going to make yourself a great big mess the simplest and most important message that can be preached from 2 Samuel chapter 20 verse number 1 and 2 is that if you choose against God and against God's will you are choosing the losing option folks I want to challenge you to always turn to the Lord I want to remind you that it's not always easy I want to remind you that there's always trouble there's always burdens to bear I also want to remind you that you are a part of the family of God and you are a sheep in God's flock and I am a sheep in God's flock and as sheep I'm tempted to run scared away from my shepherd but we should always turn to God, God's way, God's word and God's plan. And this man, Sheba, the son of Bichri, he made the same mistake many people throughout the scriptures have made and many people in life have made. They have bitterness and anger and discontentment in regards to God's servant and God's way and God's will and they choose their own path and ultimately ends in great destruction. I want to challenge you to choose the Lord. We learn something from Sheba, the son of Bichri, that it's never right to choose against God. That's number one. Story number one. Story number two is one verse. Verse number three. David's concubines. It's kind of interesting that verse number three shows up in this chapter. And it's almost like a parenthesis because we have the story of Sheba, the son of Bichri. And it continues. And we see how Joab and all these other characters fit into, uh, into the story. But out of seemingly nowhere, we have 
verse number 3. Look what the Bible says. And David came to his house at Jerusalem. And the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in ward, and fed them, but went not in unto them. So they were shut up unto the day of their death, living in widowhood. When I read verse number three, my heart breaks. No doubt, ten of the most beautiful girls in all of Israel, chosen to be concubines to the king. Now, like I said a minute ago, David was a man after God's own heart, but David was a man, and David was a sinner, and David made many mistakes along, along the way. The second point I want to bring to your attention tonight is David's concubines. The struggle is real. These women, ten women, chosen and used and quite literally abused in a sinful way against God's will, their lives are terribly destroyed. You think about this. Ten women brought into the home of David to raise children and provide pleasure for the king in a wicked, sinful way. And the Bible tells us about the end of their lives. They're not old when verse number three is written. Ten ladies whose life were reduced to getting food from the king and died in widowhood. It's a sad story. It's a reminder to us of the devastating effect of sexual perversion, pornography, the excuses that men and women and society makes to pervert God's system sexual pleasure and God's system of marriage and family and a reminder to us that there are no victimless sins in this perverse world. May God help us not to fall into that trap. Struggle's real. It's heartbreaking to think of the great grief that's brought on beautiful young women and even beautiful young men Lives with great anticipation and great hope and great opportunity. The sexual predators that are so rampant in our society use them, abuse them, destroy them. And it even happened in the house of King David. Oh, what a wicked thing. May God remind us. Number two, David's concubines. Number three, let's look at Joab. And Amasa. Joab and Amasa. The Bible says in verse number four, then said the king to Amasa, Assemble me the men of Judah within three days, and be thou here present. So David says to Amasa, Amasa, I want you to do something for me. Now, I want you to know something about Amasa. Amasa was uh, one of the leaders in uh, Absalom's army. When Absalom is killed, David welcomes Amasa and makes a a league with with Amasa and says, Amasa, I know that you've been uh, in league with Absalom, but I want to give you a chance and I want to see if we can make some common ground and give you an opportunity. Well, I want you to know something. Amasa uh, was a man that was hated by Joab. Amasa was hated by Joab. We meet up with Amasa and Amasa here is sent by David to go and gather the men of Judah and bring them out so that they can fight against Sheba, the son of Belial. 
And so he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and in three days, I want you to be back. And we're going to fight these folks. But here's what happens to Amasa, verse number 5. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he tarried longer than the set time which he had appointed him. This is kind of interesting that the Holy Spirit wants us to know that Amasa was not efficient. Amasa was supposed to do something in three days, and he didn't. It is maybe a, a, a lesson, an emphasis that we need to pay attention to, that God wants us to be efficient uh, workers. God wants us to be prompt and do things right and decently in order. I think it's a side note, but it's definitely something that needs to be paid attention to. So Amasa was sent to do a job. Amasa shows up late. And so David is now scared. In verse number 6, he says to Abishai, Now shall Sheba, the son of Bichri, do us more harm than did Absalom. He says, this is bad. If we don't do something and do something quick, we're going to have a problem because uh, Sheba of Bichri is going to cause us more grief and trouble than Absalom did. And so here's what happens. Verse Verse 7, there went after him Joab's men. So Joab gathered his men, and the Cherethites came together, and the Pelethites came together, and all the mighty men, and they went out of Jerusalem to pursue after Bichri, I mean Sheba, the son of Bichri. Verse number 8, when they were at a, the great stone, which is in Gibeah, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that had, he had put on was girded, Unto him upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheath thereof, and as he went forth, it fell out. So we've got this picture of Amasa's coming. We see Amasa coming this way, Joab coming this way, and Joab. The Bible just makes mention that he's got a garment and he's got a uh, he's got a sword girded to his loin, and uh, as he's making his way uh, and he meeting Amasa, the sword falls out of his garment, and I don't know exactly how it happened, but I guess somehow. Uh, Joab picked up the sword in his left hand. About that time, Amasa comes to him and greets him. And, and Joab, who hates Amasa, Joab greets Amasa, smiles right in his face. And the Bible says he reaches to get his beard. It's kind of weird, I know, but this is something that was not uncommon at that time. He reached to grab Amasa's beard and kiss him. And when he reached to grab Amasa's beard, Amasa, unaware of the sword that was in Joab's left hand, he reaches to kiss him instead of kissing him. The Bible says he jabs the sword between his fifth rib and kills Amasa right there on the spot. Old Joab. Joab and Amasa is a fascinating story. And the story of Joab is one we need to pay attention to. I'll have you know, though Joab ruled in the nation of Israel, Joab was a man of bitter unforgiveness and jealousy. Joab was notorious for taking vengeance into his own hands. And I can be certain of this. Joab, if he ever trusted God, Joab has suffered and has great regret about his actions as a wicked murderer that he was. Joab murdered Abner. You remember the murder of Abner? Joab murdered Abner. Why in the world did Joab murder Abner? Abner was a general in Saul's army. And first of all, Joab didn't like Saul, didn't like Saul's army. He was a David man. That's what Joab was. Now, we can commend him for that. He was a David man, but he hated anybody that was against him and against David. And Abner was a general in Saul's army and a great man of war. I don't know if you'll remember this story, but I bet you will. Some of you will at least. Abner was the leader in Saul's army, and Joab had a son, had a, a brother named Asahel. 
And Asahel was a young, zealous guy. And Asahel ran after Abner. And Abner kept telling Asahel, kept saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. And Abner's like, boy, get away from me. Leave me alone. I don't want to deal with you anymore. I don't want to have to kill you. I'll never be able to face Joab if I kill you. And Asahel, I'm going to fall on you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And finally, Asahel gets close enough to Abner that Abner takes a spear and jabs him. And once again, slaughters Asahel through the fifth rib. Something about this fifth rib. You see it over and over again in the Bible. Whatever you do, we'll look out for the fifth rib. It'll get you every time. And uh, so Abner kills Asahel, Joab's brother, and Joab in turn kills Abner, murders Abner. Do you remember Absalom? Of course you remember Absalom. Who killed Absalom? David had said, when you go out to battle, whatever you do, show mercy to my boy Absalom. Don't kill my boy Absalom. And we see Absalom hanging by his hair, hanging by his head in a tree. I, it says by his head. I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't have made, put my own spin on it. But you know he had those great big luscious locks, so I can't help but think about all that hair. He's stuck by the head in a tree, and Joab comes along and murders him. Five darts through the heart or something similar to that. Joab. Joab hated Absalom and he murdered him. And Amasa. What had Amasa done? It's kind of interesting that, you, that I ask and we ask and consider. Will you turn back just a few pages in chapter 17 of 2 Samuel? Chapter 17 of 2 Samuel. I want to show you what kind of guy, Absa, what kind of guy Joab was. Joab was the guy, the kind of guy that carried around bitterness and unforgiveness for a long time, and it turned him into a murderer. Now, this may sound silly, but bitter unforgiveness, it produces greater and darker and deeper and more dangerous sins over time. And so, God forbid that your bitterness would ever turn into murder, but I will tell you this, it can. Look what happened in verse number 25 of chapter 17. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab. <laughs> that little rat. And then look what happened. Which Amasa was a man's son whose name was Ithra, an Israelite that went in to Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister to Zeruiah, Joab's mother. Now, that's kind of wild, isn't it? It reminds me of the song, I Am My Own Grandpa. But I want you to think about this for a minute. So, Amasa gets chosen over Joab, and Joab's, and to make matters worse, there was a time, a generation ago, where that low-down, good-for-nothing Amasa's daddy took advantage of my mama's first cousin. And you read it and see if you come up with something different. But that's what happened. He was bitter because he got preference over him. And he's also bitter because of something that Amasa's dad had done to his mama's first cousin. <laughs> now, that sounds silly. But in a room this size, there's no doubt that folks have let some bitter thing from years ago caused them to hold a grudge against someone else in the room. Shame on you. 
The struggle's real. But the bitterness is not worth it. And I'll just tell you right now, Joab regrets living a life of bitterness and revenge. Joab and Amasa. Joab was a murderer. Amasa was murdered. Struggle's real. Unfortunately, in this story, there's no, and they lived happily ever after. It leads us to the fourth thing. The fourth little story, the wise woman of Abel. As you study and see all this trouble, you see, uh, you see, see Sheba, man, he is a good-for-nothing, dirty, rotten dog. Then you meet up and you read verse 3 about David's concubine. Like, oh, man, how horrible. This world is so wicked and sinful. Then you read Joab and you think, man, Joab, he's so full of bitterness. And Amasa, he's a bum. And Amasa is... Uh, just silly and gets murdered. Oh, this is terrible. And then you come to the fourth part and you read in verse number. I got to turn the page back. Verse number 16. In verse number 16, the Bible says, Then cried a wise woman out of the city. You read that verse and you're like, Finally, some peace. <laughs> Hold on. Not yet. We meet up with the wise woman out of that city. She says, hear, hear, verse 16, say, I pray you unto Joab, come near hither that I may speak with thee. And when he was come near unto her, the woman said, art thou Joab? And he answered, I am he. Then she said unto him, hear the words of thine handmaid. And he answered, I do hear. Then she spake, saying, they were wont to speak in old times, saying, they shall surely ask counsel at Abel, and so they ended the matter. Now she says, now listen, Joab, the reputation of the town of Abel where I live is that matters come to ends here. And this is our reputation. It's been said of old time that if you want to get something settled to take care of, it can get settled and taken care of in Abel. And he, she says, this wise woman of Abel, she says, you've come to the right place. Will you hear me out? Sure. The Bible says in verse 19, I am one, she's speaking, I am one of them that are peaceable. And faithful in Israel. Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why wilt thou swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? He says, she says, Joab, you're coming. And they're already they're battering the, the walls of the city. They're already beginning to besiege the city. They're already getting ready to cause great grief. And he said, she says, look, you're getting ready to make a mess in my city. Joab answered, far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy He's getting ready to swallow up and destroy, but he denies it to her for just a moment. Verse 21, the matter is not so, but a man of Mount Ephraim, he explains, Sheba, the son of Bichri, by name, hath lifted up his hand against the king, even against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said unto Joab, Behold, his head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. If the wise woman of Abel says, we're going to throw your head over the wall, you should be afraid. If your wife says, I'm going to throw your head over the wall, you should be, I'm just <laughs> afraid. The wise woman of Abel says, all right, I'll take care of that. Verse 22, then the woman went unto all the people in her wisdom. And they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and cast it out to Joab. And he blew a trumpet, and they retired from the city, every man to his tent. And Joab returned to Jerusalem under the king. 
the wise woman of Bickery produced. I don't like to see the demise of any man, but Sheba of Bickery had made his bed and judgment is issued and the Bible says blessed are the peacemakers and perhaps this wise woman was used of God to save the city of Abel. I believe that to be true. But as I look at this passage of scripture, it's encouraging, isn't it? Oh, wow, I love this. Concubines and sons of Belial and anger and bitterness and murder and the beheading of an enemy. Huh. You know what I think? The struggle's real. It really is. The grace is sufficient. David's kingdom was full of flaws. It's full of sin. It's full of injustice. And it serves to remind us that our hope is not in a government, a president, a king, a nation, a revolt, a job, health, wealth, prosperity, or anything this world has to offer. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. And we must keep our hearts in tune with our Creator and our God. And we must live for God. We must put Him first. I'm reminded of this great verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy path. If you ever get burdened down with the wickedness of the world, and it's rich and real, with the burdens that you bear. If you ever think to yourself, the struggle's real, you remember something. God is with you. God is with you. And God has prepared a kingdom. And he is the king of kings. Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And the future for God's people is eternal and bright. And we can trust him. You choose God. You choose God's way. You put your trust in him. And you live a life with no regrets. The struggle is real. Folks, I want you to know something. The promises of God's grace are sweet. The promises of the future we have in eternity with Christ is rich. And we have every reason to hope, trust, believe, and be encouraged tonight. Let's pray.